Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You've reached the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Matt and just Matt. San Francisco at Arizona, Kyler Murray is awesome, and Debo Samuel is establishing himself. Houston at Baltimore, Lamar continues to be God, but what's wrong with Deshaun Watson? New England at Philadelphia, what the hell happened with Carson Wentz there? Tampa Bay at New Orleans, the Saints get right against the very, very turnover-prone Jameis Winston. Minnesota at Denver, I was right on a Denver tight end scoring, just not the correct one. Atlanta at Carolina, the riverboat is sinking, and we finish up with Dallas at Detroit, the post-Scarborough revenge game that no one saw coming. And we hit the rest of the action in Sunday's games. Go ahead and listen. Bye. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am not Liz Loza. I am Matt Harmon. She is very busy. She's currently at the Bears-Rams tilt in the Coliseum. She's, I guess maybe gonna finally decide who she really loves the Rams or the Bears but whatever we're not here to talk about the third best team in the NFC West or my fellow co-host we're here to be joined tonight by Dalton Del Don a fellow lifelong 49ers fan Dalton how the hell are we doing tonight it's only fitting I come off the bench to sub right after that 49ers just epic victory an easy double-digit victory, as I said to you off stage. I mean, they nearly even covered that spread if they allowed them at that extra point, but uh, kind of an ugly win. But yes, it's it's awesome to join you, Matt, and talk some football, but very fitting with that Niners kind of, I was really intense there, man. It's good to know that like an actual, uh, you, you say that, but um, my my home team actually still matters to me quite a bit. And it's, uh, you know, it's I haven't outgrown that because uh, I fear doing that eventually because I got all this, too many other lineups and whatnot and fantasy stuff, but man, I really got intense there. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And look, I'll be I mean, I know I'm you know the lifelong 49ers fan. You know, for me it's a it's a bit, right? I'm doing a I'm running a, a running a long term joke here, but I will admit to you, Dalton, like this whole thing is for me to avoid feelings, right? Avoid feelings for my that team that shall not be named. Especially after today. Oh my god, that team shall not be named. Um, but I will tell you that overtime uh, situation against Seattle last week. I had some feelings for that team. I was like legitimately really wanting them to win, but let's actually just jump off the top here and talk about that game. Um, Arizona at San Francisco. I will say this to you, Dalton. There's not been a player that I've been more fascinated or more drawn to than Kyler Murray over the last, um, let's say the last month really. And not a great, you know, big time yardage total 150 does complete 72% of his passes, 
throws two touchdowns, sacked four times, but he also ran for 67 yards and a touchdown. Had a monster fantasy day against this really good defense. Yeah, he's really good. I learned in the telecast, only player person ever to be drafted in the first round in both sports. I guess that makes sense. Uh, yeah. But 4.5 YPA, not great. But no mistakes. Uh, he's going to be awesome. There's, it's clear now. It's good for the league. You know, there's a brief period there. I was like, uh-oh, is this uh, Kingsbury stuff not going to work? It, you know, it may not be perfect and he has his flaws, but looks like this is going to be a fun system and Kyle Murray's a home run and he just looks like he's Russell Wilson out there and it's going to be a, a, a problem as a Niners fan in our division for the next decade. You know, it looked like the Rams are going to be a problem. Uh, no, it, it looked, maybe it might be more Murray for the, for the long longevity. So, yeah, great player in fantasy terms. Just look at him running. He didn't run in the beginning, but now he's turning it on. That was a career-long TD run today. And, yeah, he's tough to contain. He's, he's legit. Yeah, he is legit. And you you mentioned uh, the rushing, which I think he's probably going to end up finishing second in QB rushing yards behind Lamar Jackson, who we're going to talk about next. Um, but look, the thing that I, you said Russell Wilson is the player comparison. Obviously, he gets that because of the size and everything like that. And obviously, they have some pirouetting ways to get out of pressure that I think make a lot of sense. But I'll give you my player comparison for him is like a fun-sized Cam Newton because, like, you know, these little, like, candy bars. We're coming off Halloween season, right? You know, little tiny fun-sized candy bars, which I don't understand why those always were the fun size. As a kid, I'm like, hey, the fun sizes to me are the gigantic ones that you get that look stupid because they're so big. But (laughs) he's kind of like that fun-sized version of Cam Newton because obviously he's not going to run people over like Cam Newton, but he does get out on the move. And what's just been so impressive to me for Kyler Murray is the arm strength. And he had several throws like that today, and really he has – the last three weeks that just like no one else in the NFL can make. And he's starting to elevate a lot of this offense too. not just, you know, the receivers, obviously Farrell Cooper, um, Larry Fitzgerald gets into the end zone, but all things considered, it wasn't a great fantasy day for Kenyon Drake, but he does end up looking like when he gets the lead back rushes, he, he does perform pretty well. Six catches in this one, seven targets. That was second most on the team. And he does go for 70 or 67 yards on 16 carries on the ground. Yeah, I know he was graded poorly as a blocker. Maybe that's why Miami refused to play him like fantasy owners wanted him to. But David Johnson didn't see a touch in this game. I mean, wow. And can you, uh, the Niners defense has been slipping in DV, sorry, rush defense specifically mm-hmm. in DVOA lately. And it kind of continued more, more so today. But yeah, Drake definitely can be fantasy viable moving forward. I liked Mostert as a sleeper today. He yeah. did not come through. Christian Kirk had a really bad drop that would have been a 20 plus yard gain, but still another nine targets. We, you know, the touchdowns obviously came in bunches last week, but he's going to be a fantasy monster with the next decade, the pairing with Murray for years to come. Um, and uh, the other on the other side, Debo, man, he he left the game with the locker room with a shoulder injury. But unsurprisingly, Emmanuel Sanders did not last this whole game. And Debo, I was critical of the Niners for passing on A.J. Brown, but maybe maybe they were right here because Debo looks like an absolute monster with the ball, like Bolden 2.0, yeah. 10 targets. No touchdowns, but uh, man, what a beast. And he really came through here for fantasy owners. The Bolden comparison is really interesting, actually, because, you know, there's a lot of what I thought was, was great about Debo Samuel was how quickly he could get off the line of scrimmage in college and run those like slant routes. And you've seen a little bit of that with him as the 49ers. But the last two weeks, you know, 16.8 yards per catch today, he's been much more of that deep threat receiver. And obviously, this is a good matchup against the Cardinals. But is Debo a guy like if let's just say Emmanuel Sanders is you know, banged up a little bit more the rest of the way or or the le- next couple of weeks. But honestly, I think Debo is a guy that you probably want to think about starting every week now because he's becoming the clear, you know, number three when everyone is healthy in this offense behind Kittle and Emmanuel Sanders. He's becoming a very reliable target for this team. 
Yeah, and I say more so uh, with after the ball as far as comparing him to Bolton. Yeah, yeah their schedule, yeah. their schedule toughens up, and that might be a good thing because their their rushing offense is also not nearly as good lately. And the fact that they're going to have tougher opponents and their defense and suffered injuries, and who knows how how soon Kittle returns and Emmanuel Sanders those ribs, it's rib cartilage damage. That sounds painful. So I really do think Debo is going to be a thing for in fantasy leagues uh, moving down the stretch. I really do. Who knows if he can stay healthy and whatnot. The drops have been a problem, but I think the setup is here for him to be like a legit like wide receiver too, possibly even. I, I like that take a lot. And it's good that we see some, you know, big production from Jimmy G, obviously, uh, in these two Cardinals games. But it's just nice to know that that ceiling is there when the running game doesn't work, when the defense isn't, you know, completely carrying the show that Jimmy can kind of come out of his shell and, and be sort of like a Kirk Cousins type quarterback. You know, there are going to be some floor games, but there are definitely some ceiling games of the card here. Four touchdowns, 424 yards, 75% completion rate. You like to see that. Uh, let's move on to that Houston at Baltimore game that I mentioned earlier. Uh, this was billed, and I wrote about it in my preview column as like, you know, a great quarterback matchup. We're going to watch two guys, the future, duke it out. You know, we got, we got Deshaun Watson on one side. We got Lamar Jackson on the other. Uh, that did not really play out the Baltimore Ravens 41 to seven over the Houston Texans. And I mean, Lamar Jackson is just another day at the office for him but I think there were some more intriguing parts of this game to talk about like specifically Gus Edwards Dalton yeah that was a crazy really long run and uh, yeah what more can you say at this point about Lamar Jackson I certainly didn't see this coming on the other side of the ball John Day Hopkins looked like it was really bad pass interference in the end zone it wasn't called happened throughout today just numerous times but yeah Gus Edwards and Mark Edwards finding on, on a couple catches really nice mm-hmm. to see because that had been his problem all year too and Andrew's getting involved so yeah I mean the question now just becomes are the Ravens you know the the, the best team in the NFL honestly yeah like I saw Torrey Smith tweet that out uh obviously used to play for the Ravens uh that was the team he started with and you know he said they're the best team in the NFL and like there's something special happening here and I kind of feel that way too because it's one thing to go look like these last three weeks they go and beat the Patriots on Sunday Night Football huge moment Lamar Jackson has a great day as a passer along with what he did as a rusher then you know what you do with bad teams is exactly what Baltimore did with the Bengals which is just completely trounce them and then obviously this win is huge against the fellow AFC contender and it's just getting to the point like Dalton could you imagine anything more miserable than being like a Lamar Jackson hater and logging on this year (laughs) like is there anything worse than that bro like what (laughs) what is going on (laughs) Man, I had him, I think he's my number four fantasy QB. So I was pretty aggressive before the season. So you're not not here, but I I got plenty wrong, though, uh, oh, believe yeah. me, otherwise. But, dude, uh, Lamar Jackson has been just awesome. And whatever, he's going he's gonna to win. I have uh, Deshaun Watson, like, 22 to 1 at MVP bet before the season. Yeah. And I can uh, burn that after today's yep, outing because yep. essentially Jackson head-to-head. But, um, yeah, this, uh, totally what a monster. You know, Baltimore, uh, you can talk about throwing different stats here and there, but they're really, really efficient at moving the chains this season. And I believe they're on pace to finish with uh, the fewest punts maybe ever in NFL history before today. And wow. I don't think they punted. They didn't punt. So, like, you can look at all the YPA and all that. But this team is just the toughest to get off the field. And, like, I, that, that's just crazy. And maybe that actually does have something to do with having a rushing quarterback that you won't even find in the stats. Just be able to get that get that first down marker. So, I don't know, man. Not only is he awesome fantasy terms because of that rushing ability – but I think it's like really translating into real life too. And I had a friend actually ask me is, would he be good without his legs? And I'm like, that's irrelevant. It's like asking, would Brady be yeah, who cares? good without his arm? <laughs> because he's throwing to receivers. They lead the NFL in separation or last I checked the receivers. Mm-hmm. 
And that is because of the scheme and because of his rushing ability. So, I mean, it's not just that he adds with the legs, but he doesn't have to be as accurate as the other quarterbacks because of his legs. Dude, there's before today. So I imagine this might even go up. They were scoring on 52.7% of their drives. You're the only team wow. in the NFL scoring on yeah. more of their drive at a higher rate on their drives right now. Like, give me a break. There's nothing to doubt here. There's nothing no. like guy goes out and completes over 70% of his passes has the second highest pass rating at the time against Patriots secondary that week. That was an incredible line. He's he's one of the best players, like point blank. He's the most exciting player in the NFL to watch. He's one of the most enjoyable players in the NFL to watch. Like there's nothing more to doubt here. Like there's just accept it as this reality. And he's the guy right now, like Patrick Mahomes was last year, where it's like the tide is rising all boats like they don't have that type of prolific passing offense but coming back to that Gus Edwards point like I say this every week Dalton and this is a, a mildly controversial thing to say but we can sit here right now on this podcast and honk about who to pick up and who to drop and waiver wire ads to make but the bottom line is the people who are out there playing fantasy are mostly looking at box scores right they're they're not necessarily like right, taking yeah sure. taking like Matt Harmon and Dalton Del Don's word as gospel. So the reality of the situation is we can sit here and talk about running back stashes like Gus Edwards and Tony Pollard too. But they are going to be hotter commodities on the waiver wire this week because they went out and picked them up. And it's just another reminder why you always want these guys on your benches in case not necessarily something like this happens, but in case someone goes down like a Mark Ingram in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Just to reiterate, Lamar Jackson, I know the stat's been out there, but he's younger than Joe Burrow. Yeah. And it's just so important that, that Baltimore did it so well. They brought in Greg Roman and they just made all the pieces around, fit him and not vice versa. And it's just paying off in such a big way. Such a smart coaching staff. Yeah. Gus Edwards would be an absolute monster if, um, yeah, if something would have happened to Ingram. But yeah, that was a really long touchdown run at the end. Don't think he suddenly jumped Ingram on the depth oh, no. chart. Yeah, no way. He's just he's still a stash. But the problem is now, like people are going to like people are going to know he exists after this weekend, even right. if no, they should have known yeah. now, like the masses will know about it on sure. the Texan side, man. Like, number one, isn't it the best, like just middle finger to the process type thing that the Ravens blow out the Texans, which is like, that's definitely not the script you want for Carlos Hyde. And then he right. rips off a long run for a touchdown. Um, that's mega tilting. If that was like your analysis going into the week, but what happened on from what you saw or what you read, what happened to the, the rest of this Texans offense? Yeah, man, I I'd probably watched this game the least of all of them. Every time I looked up the Houston was just, the, it was in chaos. The sacks, he was just a horrible offensive line. And it was, it was really not a competitive game at all. Carlos Hyde, I sit start column. I definitely recommended people to sit and then yeah, watch and rip off yeah. that 40-yard touchdown run. It all counts the same in fantasy, so wrong there. But um, yeah, just a dysfunction there. Kenny Stills, I thought was going to be a thing. I was very high on him when Fuller was down and Kuti can't do anything. So um, I believe Johnson suffered a, a serious injury in this, possibly. So Duke. So um, yeah, just a mess there with Houston. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, you um, do you think something's wrong with him? What what is your take on on him this season? Because doesn't seem right. Yeah, I would love to like yeah actually go through and like chart all of his routes and everything. The thing to me is just <sighs> last last season all we heard about was the fact like he never dropped any passes last year. Obviously, he's consistently one of the best receivers at making tight window. Th- receptions you know working the boundary all of that those are inherently low percentage plays um and I also think too like he gets 12 targets today catches seven passes for 80 yards that's fine it's not quite what you bargained for when you took him as like the number one receiver off the board 
there are just a couple of instances where he doesn't make those catches that you that you that you would normally assume in tight coverage or contorting. And again, that's a tough way to make a living. You know, when you're a great route runner, you're a great separator, all that, which he's a he's a good route runner, but he's not one of the best, not one of the best like at creating separation. It's just tougher when you get those lower percentage passes. And I think overall, like it's just like a weird thing to say, but I think not funneling the ball through Hopkins exclusively, especially down the field, has actually been kind of better for the health of the Texans' passing offense. It's why you saw Deshaun Watson have such a monster passer rating, a higher completion percentage than normal, because he has more of these layup guys to throw to. Like, Duke Johnson's not a major factor, but he does at least get some of those funnel targets through the through the low areas of the field. Obviously, uh, Kenny Stills is another guy who can create that separation as a slot receiver. So, Really, I think it's just overall it's better for the offense to not funnel 150, 160 balls through this guy who makes his window, makes his living in tight window receptions. Yeah, and fantasy owners can't be t- complaining too much. The targets have been there. He's been fine. You bring up a good point. Maybe his just uh, his margin for error is smaller because his yeah. degree of de- difficulty is so much higher. So it's going to be slightly even more volatility to a position that already exists at. So it makes sense. Yeah, and this game too, the last point I'll hit on this is just that like it represents really well like how things can change so drastically throughout the course of one season where at the beginning of the year, it looked like the Ravens secondary was a unit that we could take advantage of. Now they're one of the best units in the NFL. They go four deep at corner. They have Marcus Peters out there as like a gambler making plays. And then on the other side of the field, the Texans, you know, they're picking up busts like Vernon Hargraves trading third round picks, trading the Jadevian Clowney pick for Gary yeah, and Conley. No. Like, <laughs> give me a break. So the, those two units moving in opposite directions, which are, is different from where they started this year. But no, good, wait, good point. The Ravens, there was like for the, for the first month, they were actually giving up the second most yards per play for a while there. And they looked like a liability on defense. And yeah, why do you give away Clowney? and then you suffer a Watt injury, this is what you get, Houston, not as a bitter person with the Seahawks who just dominated that Monday night game. <laughs> Watch Clowney in person just score that touchdown in my face. What a beast, man. To, to look at what they got in return is just an absolute joke. Yeah, and like the Texans' run defense, too, is suffering without Watt. Obviously, they let uh, Ingram run on them a little bit, and obviously Edwards gets the big play, and of course, Lamar yeah. Jackson's out there doing his thing. But let's move on to the Patriots-Eagles game. Just watch that one wrap up. 17-10, uh, to 10, the Patriots win over the Philadelphia Eagles. And the concerning – this was a rough game offensively. Um, I'll take a little victory lap here. My off-my-game pick on FFL was Tom Brady. I know people liked the matchup against the Eagles secondary, but this is another unit that's kind of evolving a little bit because you know when they were running out total goofballs and Stefan Diggs was scoring three touchdowns on them they were a very different looking unit now than when they have I mean they don't have great corners but Ronald Darby is back Jalen Mills is back they're a little bit healthier Brady 4.6 yards per attempt 55.3 percent completion rate this is not the secondary that we would just throw everyone in the pool against like it was a few months ago yeah Brady was the most incompletions in the first half in his career I know it was windy, but that's uh, pretty wild. So, yeah, good call with him. Definitely a problem. And the one touchdown pass was to Edelman through it, too. So pretty crazy. I mean, as far as Brady owners. um, Yeah, really a low-scoring game. Um, If you're debating in your DFS lineup the the cheap uh, Brian Hill or Miles Sanders, I guess the answer was neither. Um, (laughs) I I debated that pretty hard. So that was a frustrating aspect of here. I also personally really liked uh, Sanu a lot in this game, and that was a big disappointment, man. I didn't know who else he was going to throw to. And I know he was battling some injuries. Uh, but uh, one guy, most people did project, you know, the, the Goddard and Ertz were going to get more targets in this game with all the injuries on the wide receivers. Man, they just had no speed at all in Philadelphia and the outside. They're just such a predictable uh, 
offense, but uh, Ertz and, and Goddard got theirs. Uh, but yeah, New England comes away and even covers. Uh, what else is new, man? Just get they get it done. Yeah, they look pretty lost on offense. The Eagles do right now. They really couldn't establish that running game at all with Miles Sanders and you know Boston Scott's out there taking some plays uh one of the early passes they threw to him was like down the field um jordan matthews is out there getting look six targets for one catch that's miserable like jordan matthews is <laughs> I, come on give me a break with that what is this like his third stint, third stint with the team nelson aguilar nine targets four catches 40 yards has was i don't know catch of the, was that a drop at the end zone no no right? like i wouldn't uh. chart that as a drop like he had to bend backwards yeah, for it i mean yeah tough. he probably could track the ball better he's not a good contested catch receiver but like that shouldn't be Nelson Aguilar's ball you know like they should have a better plan than this obviously Alshon Jeffries hurt Deshaun Jackson's hurt but like they counted way too much on these guys in my opinion and now it's it's starting to bite them and look honestly frankly though Dalton like Wentz got that ball to the end zone wasn't perfectly accurate and he was awful on that last drive he was like I don't care I don't care who's not healthy at some point you can't just be wildly missing guys looking like Dwayne Haskins out there or something was Carson Wentz on that last drive yeah, what is up with him? I know he has like no playoff wins with this perennial, you know, contending team. 6.8 YPA. He had that one season MVP caliber, but 6.8 YPA when YPA's up. What do you think? I mean, is he not great? Is this what he is? My thought on him, and I, I think I talk about this a lot on the show. Um, I talk about it, I've talked about it a lot this season. There is a wide group of quarterbacks in the NFL that kind of make up, I don't know, like the good but not great maybe middle class guys like Kirk Cousins is a perfect example I think our guy Jimmy G is a perfect example like we don't need a state of the union on these guys every single week they bounce back and forth they're not always problems and but they're not always solutions the totally the problem the problem is I think that Wentz I thought was a guy that was ahead of that tier I thought might have been you know not Patrick Mahomes Deshaun Watson but right up there along that group but like Whereas Dak Prescott, I think, might be elevating himself out of this tier, I think uh, Carson Wentz is kind of regressing into this group of players. And that's unfortunate because I thought he would be a guy that could make, you know, chicken salad out of chicken. But so far, that's not happening this year. That's a great point. They're all just a big bucket. and There's no need to microanalyze every performance because it's going to be so dependent on each situation that that week. I to- totally agree with you. That's a great, great way of looking at it. Yeah, one quarterback who is not a part of that group, who I think is firmly in the this ain't it group, we'll, we'll call it that, is Jameis Winston. Now, look, people. I am aware that some of those, some of the interceptions today from Jameis Winston were not his fault. But when you're going to throw 20-plus in a season, and he probably is, some of them are not going to be your fault, but your teammates owe it to you to, to get you through that 20-plus range. Winston, four picks today. It is what it is. The Saints come out and show you that whatever happened against the Falcons last week was an anomaly. They looked great on offense to me. I know that Drew Brees is, at this point, probably a small ball quarterback, 6.5 yards per attempt, but does throw three touchdowns, does complete 80% of his passes in the Saints. Firmly look like they have a lot more going on on offense than they did you know, a few months ago, Michael Thomas is still a stud, but Alvin Kamara contributes 10 catches. Jared Cook gets in the box. So does Ted Ginn. Um, I think this Saints offense is only trending up. Yeah, and the Saints defense really bounced back. It's not just that Winston's so careless at times, but he's throwing the ball 50 times every week. There's so many opportunities for sacks and turnovers for the opposing fantasy Ds. Um, Ronald Jones was a huge disappointment. They said 
if anything, I thought he'd continue to be involved as a receiver. But speaking of disappointments, week in, week out, O.J. Howard, my guy, oh. I ranked so aggressively. Just what a joke. I mean, lost a fumble, too, and then one, on his one target, then none, none again. I mean, if it couldn't get any lower. And then, then Cameron Brake gets 14 targets and 10 catches. I mean, just a, it's just funny about Howard's fallen. And Michael Thomas is just really having just an amazing season how much he's separating himself at wide receiver from the rest. I did not see that coming at all. Like, I mean, I thought there'd just be a group there and it's crazy how much it's him and McCaffrey have just totally separated themselves at their positions. They're real life. Like there are real life people who actually think that like Michael Thomas is just Marquise Colston 2.0. Like those people, I'm sure it's like 10 people, but they deserve to be shamed for who they are. Um, I will say in one DFS lineup this week, I don't think it did all that well, but I was like, you know what I'm doing? I'm paying up for Lamar Jackson at quarterback. Christian McCaffrey at running back and Michael Thomas at wide receiver. And I'm just going to figure out the rest. I'm sure the rest was God awful. I have to go back and look, but like (laughs) you can lock in like honestly a total advantage with those. Like you get a running back and a quarterback with Lamar Jackson. Then you get like a receiver and a running back with Christian McCaffrey. And then Michael Thomas, like you said, is that guy that's separated himself at the wide receiver position on your note about OJ Howard. I think that's important to bring up because Look, I fell into the trap of like, okay, I know it was the Cardinals. I know that was, you know, the perfect matchup, but he played a lot of snaps in that game. It honestly looks like they benched him today after that first turnover mistake. He played 44% of the snaps in the first half and 8% in the second half. Yeah, no, totally. I wanted more than two targets for Jared Cook. He gained a nice catch. In the end zone, but such a nice setup for that funnel defense. Tampa's so tough against the run, although Kamara had success. And the other thing to point out here has to be Mike Evans with Lattimore out was I think he had a goose egg for a good chunk of this game. Yep. I guess he came through with a little bit there, but but what a disappointment again for Tampa Bay there. And it, it's not totally unexpected that New Orleans defense would bounce back in this spot here, though, because, I mean, they are, I do think they're a pretty strong, strong unit. Yeah, the Bucs are terrible. Um, don't be trusting Ronald Jones. Do, do something better with your life uh, there. But, uh, yeah, overall. I, I Also, too, it looked like Kamara had clearly separated himself in the first half in terms of carries to Latavius Murray. Um, he still had... 13 to 10 for Latavius Murray, but overall, um, 10 targets. Yeah. 10, 10 targets for Kamara was huge. Um, so overall, yeah, I think, I think Kamara is a guy that he's going to have even better matchups going forward. Let's move on to a a surprising game. Uh, it looked like for a while, Brett's Denver Broncos were going to be taking home an upset victory, Brett. Uh, but it did not come through. Yeah. Doesn't seem like Brandon Allen's going to be the answer. I mean, geez, yeah. Brandon Allen's fan club uh, was not thrilled with the result there. You, what is that, like you and like maybe one other person? Yeah, yeah. We meet up uh, once a month. Um, we live on the opposite coast, and we just meet up in what kind of, center um, of the country. What kind of ice cream do you serve at the Brandon Allen uh, Truthers get-together? Is this a, a joke? Do you have like a punchline? No. Um, Rocky Road. <laughs> oh! Mountains. Nailed it. And what's up Can, with the Fangio stuff? Is there like a problem in the locker room or something? They're already out on. Are they out on Fangio? Are you? Out I don't know. Track? I mean, they just released a state. I, Elway just did an interview as you guys are taping, and he said, "Oh, you know, we're that's not a story. You know, the press is making it up, etc." I will say though, as you've handed me the the hot mic, and that team is very poorly coached. Yeah. What happened in the last thirty seconds of the game? Brandon Allen on third or fourth down uh, rushes for a first down at the. Minnesota five and then the team literally does not know what to do they're all kind of standing there as 15 seconds run off the clock they don't have a timeout they don't spike the ball Minnesota calls the timeout horrible 
Self- horrible sequence of events. Really, really awful. Um, self-awareness and humility, I think, is important, but in short supply among NFL coaches. And I just like you look at what Freddie Kitchens is going through in Cleveland, and you look at what Den- uh, Denver's going through with Vic Fangio, and it just like some of these guys need to know when to pass the reins. Like, I just don't believe that Vic can fully focus on like coaching the entire team, especially when you like it worked in LA with Sean McVay because you could hand the defense to Wade Phillips and like, I'm just going to worry about the offense. And like, that's great. But it doesn't work when you're Vic Fangio and you're like, oh, you know, Rich Scangarello, whoever the hell you are, like you just handle the offense. Or in in Cleveland, there's just so much going on that Freddie Kitchens can't just call the plays. I just don't believe that Vic Fangio is like making it work for the entire team when you have to call the defense from the sideline. Which is which is a totally new thing for him too, by the way. He's used to doing it from up in the booth. Yeah, one a long list of just guys who are way better coordinators than they are head coaches. Although for this purpose, man, Dalvin Cook, what a disappointing day. That that kind of was unexpected. And uh, and do you have any other major fantasy takeaways here? Of course, uh, Diggs is going to eat without Thielen. Although in just five targets, Diggs is a favorite of yours, right? Yeah, I mean, he it was a little disappointing to see him with that amount of volume. It's just like Minnesota just really couldn't possess the ball for long periods of time here uh, but luckily Diggs comes through with a couple of really big plays also my other my other takeaways from this game number one Kyle Rudolph is like a set it and forget it stud at tight end which like what year is this you know um, he scored again in this spot five targets but still again that's that's generally enough for the tight end position the they're other all in the five they're always in the five or ten typically too it, his targets are more important than others for sure exactly and the other thing on the Denver Broncos side, number one, Cortland Sutton is a stone cold stud. Nine targets, five catches, Thank 113 you, yards. Thank you for <laughs> finally admitting. No, listen, the listen. Truth. No, no, no. Look, Brett, let let the record show. I went on Twitter and immediately said was wrong about Cortland Sutton in like week two. Okay. So I was that was just a situation I read dead wrong. I should follow you on Twitter, I guess. You probably should. You yeah. should at least unmute me, to be uh, honest, Brett. It would probably oh, no, I just don't follow you. Oh wow, that's I even, blocked you like, and unfollowed you. That's yeah. way worse, dude. Uh can you have produce the podcast because <laughs> of like, course <laughs> <laughs> um on the tight end note on the other side of the field a little bit ultra yes. tilting Noah Fant gets 11 targets which he turns into four catches for 60 yards that's that's good enough if you had to stream him the real tilting thing is though Dalton the process the process he, he, we'd sit here and talk about look the reason I wanted to stream Noah Fant is because they allowed the Vikings did allow the third most catches to tight ends coming into this game, <laughs> but they had not allowed a tight end touchdown. So cool, we're gonna get a touchdown for Noah Fant. Their hashtag do well hashtag Troy Fumagalli scores the touchdown. Sick. Well, we didn't even talk about Ross Dwelly having two touchdowns and a third called back by holding against uh, Arizona. So yeah, it's all about these matchups with the tight ends apparently. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's very very frustrating. It, the process, the t- the targets were there. Targets are there. So you you were right. You, you, I mean, 11 targets, that could be a thing with Noah Fant. I mean, look at his workout metrics. He definitely could be a future you know, something. Listen, he can. he's great as long as no one is near him when he has to catch the ball. As long as he's got at least like eight yards of separation and no one's there to disrupt the process of him catching it, that guy's good. <laughs> so take for what take that for uh, what you will. But that's enough about these Denver Broncos. Jeez. All right, let's. Oh, oh my God. Well, one thing I'd say if you're in really deep leagues, this Tim Patrick could be a thing. I don't know. I mean, if if you're searching for something really deep, uh, I don't know. Maybe Deshaun Hamilton's not apparently. Ugh. So Tim Patrick got activated before. I know this is a good matchup. Minnesota secretly like allowed the most fantasy points to his side of this whole season. So maybe it was just a matchup thing. But if you're in a super deep league, uh, Tim Patrick might be something. 
Yeah, yeah. Thanks for bringing up Deshaun Hamilton and twisting that knife. Um, appreciate that, Dalton. That is uh, really hurtful. Now, speaking of hurtful, oh, my God. Let's move on to the Atlanta Falcons at Carolina Panthers. I mean, it must really suck to be a fan of that Carolina Panthers team. I, I personally, personally, I couldn't imagine. I can't imagine <laughs> it. They lose 29-3. to Ultra embarrassing that Ron Rivera kicks a field goal down 26 to nothing in the red zone and then admitted that he did it to not get shut out. Oh, he did? He, he, admit said, that? he said to avoid the shutout, I kicked the field goal. Riverboat Ron, wow. Yeah, more like, well, I think I saw Chris Wessling said on Twitter, more like paddleboat Ron. Very cool. Yeah, nice. Very yeah. cool Carolina Panthers. Um, Listen, Dalton, I don't know where you've been on the Kyle Allen uh, bandwagon, uh, but I have not been getting on board. And it looks like his interception touchdown luck has swung back the other way. Four interceptions today takes five sacks. I'll say this with with Kyle Allen. Like, he's proven that he's a good backup that can come in and move the chains when needed, can keep the ship afloat for a while. But if Carolina gets rid of Cam Newton this offseason, they are openly walking into quarterback wilderness, and you just don't see many teams do that. Yeah, so is Dan Quinn, like, the what exactly happened there? Is he just the worst defensive co- uh, caller, play caller ever? Like, I mean, he gave up he gave up duties. And then the last two weeks, two weeks of what, they've shut down the Saints and now yeah. in Carolina when they were, I mean, this is wild, right? I mean, this is this is crazy. I mean, it's, uh, it's still two games, obviously. And maybe it's Allen who obviously has his problems. But, man, I mean, McCaffrey still got his and DJ Moore. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, Kyle Allen is definitely proven emphatically that he's he's not the answer i liked his matchup today i liked his price in dfs but <laughs> yeah, wow what a disaster just total disaster even in garbage time at the end you know it's like at least get a one score he had like multiple opportunities in the fourth quarter couldn't get it done just just totally bad you know if you look at pffs uh they do their matchups uh and their offensive line uh rankings to uh, this week they actually had the, the carolina as the least the least advantage against the pass i was very skeptical of that but they, they looked right because Atlanta dominated defensively. So, wow, they were, I believe, the stone minimum in, in Yahoo's 10 bucks. So, uh, they, man, I don't know. That's a thing to follow. I'm not necessarily going to just look at their season long uh, DVOA and just, you know, say that go like that because there's something tangibly, tangibly happened with changing the, the play caller there in defense. And what a difference. Well, I mean, their, we... their sacks, I think they were league low seven and they had six last week and five today. That's, that's crazy. That's seven all season and in 12 last two weeks. Well, we just talked about, you know, these team or these coaches that maybe need to take on a little less and Dan Quinn kind of showing maybe the benefit of that. Like, I don't think Dan Quinn is a bad coach. I think he did some pretty good work uh, for like the early part of his tenure, but it was, this was, this defense was straight up poorly coached going into, I would say like the first half of the season for sure. Hands off the play calling duties also kind of delegates like, I can't the, the one guy who's like the defensive coordinator, the his actual name, I can't remember him, but he's he's doing some work. And then Raheem Morris, Raheem Morris is back in our lives, Dalton. He's like calling the and designing the pass yeah. defense, which I think is really interesting to track. But worth noting this Falcons defense gets the Bucks at home next time we see them. Uh that could nice. lead to more sacks. Nice. I didn't know that. Good call. Yeah. And wow. more turnovers. Um Another thing, I, Calvin Ridley is going to eat. I mean, Sanu's gone and Hooper out. I mean, he's going to be a thing here. So that that's I mean, uh, Ridley and Jones. This game, this game script that did not actually go well for them to pass. Like like Matt Ryan uh, got his three hundred like he always does. Brian Hill couldn't move the ball at all. It's funny he even lost a, a short score too. But those guys are yep. going to see a ton of targets as long as Hooper's out. I mean, that's going to be 
really profitable. Yeah, temperature check here on on Brian Hill. Uh, he gets 15 carries for 30 yards, um, and then he also contributed in the – well, I guess he, he had one catch for eight yards sick in the uh, passing game on three targets. Like you mentioned, had a score called back. He was clearly, I mean, the feature back, like, Quadre Olison got four carries and he had he scored a touchdown. But I mean, Brian Hill was the lead guy, and it looked like Carolina had made sure they shored up their rush defense and just forgot how to do everything else. Which is yeah, you Carolina. Know. Carolina actually entered this dead last in DVOA yep. rush defense, so it's pretty frustrating. You say if Atlanta plays Tampa Bay next, they're really good against the run, so that's a problem. I guess obviously it's part part of the offensive line; they can't run all year. But Brian Hill expected a lot more. I ranked him aggressively as a top fifteen back this week. Just horrible, horrible. Yeah, so he's probably not a guy that you're going to play next week. I would assume, but if but if would you still hold on to him or is he oh, a yeah. guy you would hold, yeah. hold on to him? Yeah, okay. no, definitely hold on. Yeah. I would agree because I still think like there's a chance that if like let's say he has a good game against the Bucks next week, you know, let's just say he scores a touchdown, whatever. I don't know. The Falcons still have plenty of incentive. Like whether Dan Quinn is good or not right now, like they're not making the playoffs this year. You know, they're not going anywhere. 2019 is over for them. I think they they need to think about their future. Devonta Freeman is one of the most expensive running backs in the NFL. He's definitely not part of that future. Brian Hill, maybe he is a part of that future. So I think they want to continue. Uh, to get a look at him. So, yeah, I agree. He He's not a guy I would drop. Um, and if their defense is a thing, that would help the running back, too. If their defense becomes really good, that would theoretically help him, too. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, going on to Dallas at Detroit. Uh, this do you, Did you know that this was the Bo Scarborough revenge game, Dalton? I, I did not even rank him. I think I ranked 65 running backs. I mean, just wild. They, he already did that with the Ty Johnson uh, with, with, who is it, Trey Carson? Yep. Um, not that anyone should have been aggressively ranked this week, but uh, Bo Scarborough, wow, man, crazy. I didn't see that coming, did you? No, I'm such a jackass because, like, I was tracking the fact, like, that he was on the practice squad because I was like, look, Ty Johnson, he ain't it. Like, Trey Carson's hurt. Um, J.D. McKissick, McKissick is not a, a an early down rusher. Bo Scarborough is, like, the poor man's Derrick Henry, you know, a big authoritative runner out of Alabama. I mean, yeah. like very, very poor man's. I love Derrick Henry. So very, very poor man's Derrick Henry. But he does get the lead ball carrier work in this one, 14-55 touchdown. Um, Scarborough is not going to be a three-down back. That's definitely not for sure. But I, I did kick myself. Go As soon as he was getting some burn early in that game, I was like, oh, no, this is a revenge game. Dallas is the first team that drafted him. So I was, I was pissed about that, even though I was tracking the situation. Is this a guy that you're picking up this week and, and maybe playing in future weeks? I guess if you're running back needy in deeper leagues because he looks like he could be the goal line guy. So so maybe, I guess, just because running backs are so hard to come by. But I wouldn't be excited. And it's so tough to trust the Detroit run game just in general. But what about Jeff Driscoll? Super cheap in DFS. And uh, he runs. He's adding it with his legs. Obviously not super great in real life. But a uh, cheap fantasy source. You're in two quarterback leagues. Maybe helpful with Stafford out for the rest of the season. Because, you know, they have three legit weapons. You know, two wideouts and Hawkinson at tight ends. So, I mean, it kind of without a running back. And a, and a poor defense, maybe that's you know fading. So it's kind of a setup for a, like a cheap quarterback production. I think Jeff Driscoll is a tough watch, personally. Oh yeah, like I eight yeah. point YPA. How did he do that today? Because he runs around for like ten seconds back there sometimes. Yeah, you're right. It, it is a tough watch for sure. But they've been a chuck it offense. Like they've been willing to throw it yeah, deep this right. year, which has been a nice departure from the Jim Bob Cooter era. Um, I don't think it's going to be pretty watching Jeff Driscoll, but it's, it rarely is with some of these quarterback streamers. And hey, they get Washington next week, so Jeff Driscoll, Bo Scarborough. I think these are guys you can 
go out and pick up and probably flex in a super flex league or just a traditional flex league for Bo Scarborough. Um, I am certainly not opposed to that. On the Dallas side, awesome game for Dak Prescott. He, he If he stacks some signature moments here, you know, I think he's going to get in the MVP race because statistically he has it. He just needs to go like into Foxborough and win. Um, you look on. at the real deep advanced analytics too. They love him. Like his, yeah. whatever he, the win probability is passes. Like he's just like off the charts. His, he, his season's fantastic. Yeah. And you know that you have a great quarterback on your hand. Like I think why I'm saying Dak Prescott might be elevating himself out of that. Like Kirk Cousins, Jimmy G group is because when you look at a game like this, Amari Cooper, the, the, the great part about him this year, I think he has taken his game to another level and he's much, much more consistent. But in this game, eight targets, three catches, 38 yards. But then the other guys come alive. That's when you know you have a great quarterback. It's like, okay, they're going to take away Amari Cooper or Amari Cooper's not going to be at his best. You have Michael Gallup go nine for 148. You have Randall Cobb go four for 115 and a touchdown. Um, this Dallas offense, I think, like, if Dak is going to be this good, you're going to want all the pieces, even some of these ancillary ones. Yeah, Cooper, I want to see the snap percentage because you say the eight targets, but he looked compromised and on the sidelines an awful lot when I was watching. So, um, I hope he he can stay healthy the rest of the season because that's a fun offense when fully healthy. Cobb, totally fantasy relevant again. And Michael Gallup, I just love. Uh, no touchdowns, but so many targets. If Cooper were to go down, I would treat Gallup like I'm talking top 10. I would treat him as a wide receiver one if Cooper were to go down. Love Gallup. I, I completely agree with you. He was one of my favorite players coming out of the draft that year in terms of like the non-round one wide receivers. Um, you meant, We talked about Jeff Driscoll early. Whew. Looks like the Bengals could use a Jeff Driscoll Dalton. <laughs> Ryan Finley, 13 for 31. Yeah. That's a 42% completion rate for you people tracking at home. 3.7 yards per attempt, an interception, five sacks, and he lost a fumble. But somehow the Bengals still, they only lose by seven points. It was kind of close. It was in question there at the end. Um, the Bengals gross the only thing that's been interesting about this ryan finley era is that joe mixon has actually kind of come back to life despite the fact that the quarterback play is actually worse a lot of survivor entries were really really holding on there at the end there uh, if you would have looked at the quarterback comparisons here 3.7 ypa to 10.1 it'd be shocked that this game was so close yeah mixon is, is coming alive and if you saw his td run it was of the highlight real variety it was really Really nice. Uh, Auden Tate suffered like a serious oh, yeah. injury. And man, I thought Tyler Boyd was going to do a little more than three targets and zero yards in this this matchup. But brutal. But yeah, so nice. Nice to see Mixon back to back weeks. Crazy what he did. Historical last week in the loss. But Josh Jacobs, what a stud. You know, didn't uh, I mean, maybe not as huge of a game as possibly thought. I had him ranked. I think it was my third back this week. We lost a fumble. But just so uh, that, I don't know if he's ever had a a, a loss carry, a, a, a carry in which he's lost yardage this season yet. Something remarkable. What a great player. What a draft pick. You know, running backs, obviously not the greatest pack, uh, capital, but and I thought maybe a good fantasy, but it's even hard to, to in real life to, to, to knock the, the, the Grudens on that one. No, he's been awesome. He's good. Yeah, he's yeah. so he's so good. Like and just giving the middle finger to analytics left and right because you know he was a guy that look we've never seen a first round pick with this type of workload coming out of college yeah. like this much of an unknown. He is a guy like it, it. It is not always the answer. Like, well, just watch the tape, just watch the games. That has been the answer for Josh Josh Jacobs. He's been amazing. I think Sports Info Solutions had him as number two. Um, and broken tackle percentage behind Lamar Jackson. Um, and number three, I think, in yards after contact per attempt behind Chris Carson and a few other and one other back. So 
he's been awesome. This was a perfect smash spot for him. Derek Carr also kind of comes through in this one. Um, obviously, it wasn't a massive line for him as a passer. He does have 10 yards per attempt, 86% completion rate, throws an interception, but also throws one touchdown, and then runs for a touchdown too. Mega tilting for Josh Jacobs owners, but pretty nice if he had to stream Derek Carr, who has a really good schedule going forward. Yeah, it was a really nice TD run, a broken plate, jumped. He took a shot to the helmet, too. It was really nice. Man, Carr is a player I was just flat out wrong with. I, was, yeah, I, exactly. I wrote him off. He's playing fantastic, far better football than I gave him credit for. Well done. Carr's, Carr's been great. Yeah, he's been really good. Um, put you on the spot here. Are the Raiders going to make the playoffs? Ooh, um, they're pretty good. Oh, man, I haven't looked at their schedule it's incredibly easy, Dalton. Really, it's a, it's, the Raiders can the playoffs. The only hard, the only game against a 500 team or above they have left is uh, Kansas City. But the rest of the way, there they got the Jets next weekend. They got Denver. Yeah, they I got guess the, the, AFC the Chargers. Weak. AFC's weak, so I guess so. Then, yeah, if you're saying the schedule's like that, then I guess so. Which is just crazy and not something that I predicted for this season. That's. It's pretty crazy. Good, good for the Grudens, man. I mean, he his personnel, some of his stuff he's done deserves criti- criti- criticizing, criticizing. No, no question. But the guy can coach football, apparently. Still, yeah, he's still got it. Yeah, he's still got it. Um, at Jets is next week, as Brett mentioned. Then at Kansas City, Tennessee, Jacksonville, L.A. Chargers, and they then they finish in Denver. So yeah, that is <laughs> it's not a bad schedule there. I think they can. I mean, it's going to be between what, like them and Buffalo. I don't think it, I don't think two teams from the South are making. I, I mean, the Colts will be in the discussion, um, depending there. But honestly, I think I think they probably end up getting it, man. I think they. You know, that's going to be a fun atmosphere. Those final games in Oakland, too. That yeah. that crowd was wild that night game against the Chargers. I mean, that's that's it for them. I mean, those those fans are going to go nuts. Th- those final home games. Yeah, the be- remaining game uh, against the Chargers is in L.A., so it essentially is a home game. Yeah, so it'll be a home game. There you yeah. go. Very cool. All right, let's move on to we talk. I don't th- see either of these two teams making the playoffs, as I mentioned um, before. Well, look, I mean, <laughs> the Colts might win the division. They're first in the AFC South right now if the Texans mess this up. Um, but the Indianapolis Colts really put it on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nick Foles is back, but Jacoby Brissett is back. He's more back because he was he was fine. Look, he was fine in this game, right? One touchdown, one interception, but Brissett moves the offense right like he's not Brian Hort. like it was the huge Brissett was made more valuable also rushes for a touchdown here he showed his value in this game um, based simply on being a much more efficient quarterback in terms of moving the offense than Brian Hoyer was but the interesting storyline to talk about here Marlon Mack fractures his hand he gets hurt after going for 14 109 in a touchdown and then a pretty Jonathan Williams bro Dalton, Jonathan Williams, man, I when I think it was Brett or Jason Kobaka, our lead fantasy mastermind here, said Williams looks like he just um, is getting the run for the Colts. I was like, who the hell is Williams on the Colts? I was like, oh, my God, that Jonathan Williams? I know. He's back in our lives. Is this is it finally the moment for Jonathan Williams? I had to look up which one that was myself, too. I mean, I had even Wilkins stashed in a really deeply previously. But yeah, Marlon Mack was on his way to a monster game. He had some really nice runs in this. But Williams absolutely needs to be added after Mack fractured his hand. So yeah, if he's the guy there, the I mean, he could be I mean, that offensive line. There's a, a ton of upside. So he'll be the obvious waiver wire guy to spend the rest of your fab on this week. What about DJ Shark, man? Just what a... What a monster. I thought D.D. Westbrook would, would get a little bit of a bump with the return of Foles, who is, uh, you know, historically targeted the slot quite a bit. So that was a bit of a disappointment. But Shark, just totally legit. And he's like a wide receiver one moving forward. 
Yeah, I agree with your point on Jonathan Williams. And on DJ Chark, like, my thought with, I said this on FFL this morning, and why DJ Chark was my pick for my wide receiver that I really liked this week um, in my wide receiver pick section, DJ Chark is the best player in this passing game. And I think, like, you can go back and forth about, look, Nick, like, you're right. Nick Foles has historically targeted the slot a lot. Um, you could also make the argument that he is a great deep passer. And Chark is six in the NFL in yards on go routes so far this going into this week. You could say that, oh, well, he had a really good chemistry with uh, Alshon Jeffrey. Like, Jeffrey would come alive. Targets. Would Nick Foles. 15 targets. 15 man, targets for DJ Chark. So I think Nick Foles just knows you throw it to your good players, baby. And he leads, like, it was funny watching this game on Red Zone. It was like, man, I haven't seen anything from this Jaguars offense since they went down the field in the first drive and threw a touchdown to DJ Turk, and then he gets another one on the last drive or so. So pretty bad performance overall for Foles. Um, I know that he took a lot. Like, he got pressured a lot. He was kind of a statue in the pocket. I know Jags fans were not totally thrilled with him. Um, but overall, like it was just nice to see for DJ Chark that, like, he is the clear wide receiver one, the number one player in this passing game. He's legit 100%. But the other takeaway here, I mean, Leonard Fournette, to talk about volume with Le'Veon oh, Bell yeah. with not doing anything, it, it just, man, I mean, Leonard Fournette, just what a disaster. I mean, the total disaster. A guy, a guy talking about staying healthy but not producing. I mean, I thought he'd either get hurt. I mean, it's crazy, man. Just staying healthy. Touchdown's not been there. And then the volume here just wasn't there today. Just a disaster of a day. I mean, yeah, it was. A, it was a, this is a horrible game for him, like from a game script, game script perspective, um, they get that early touchdown to the Jaguars, but then the Colts go seven, three, 14 in terms of points, quarters, one, two, three. So I think it's just not really great from the, the only good thing to see from him was that he caught seven passes, which is, is nice. Totally. He has added that to his repertoire this year, which totally. is really good to see. So if you, you probably escape with like a floor performance from Leonard Fournette here, which I think you can't totally hate. Um, overall, let's move on to uh, a, a great AFC East matchup between the Bills and the Dolphins. Now, the only thing to say coming out of this game is John Brown is the truth. John Brown is the truth. I thought of you. I know you, he's your guy. And hey, my guy's Devontae Parker. So I'm a Parker truther. And I know you are a John Brown guy. I thought of you. What a, what a day to, to be on a podcast with you. He's your guy, right? I love, yeah, hell yeah, yeah, he is, man. And like the whole thing that's been really funny about John Brown this year is I think this year has really shown his true value in that Josh Allen has not been good on deep passes so far this year. Right. Like he's not oh, been a good vertical. By far the lowest. Why wide margin and passer rating is like 20 points lower than the next worst. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's been straight up terrible as a deep passer, but John Brown has still been thriving. He's been like a great floor play in fantasy. And then finally, the big ceiling game comes here. Nine for 137 and two touchdowns, 14 targets. This guy is a number one receiver in the NFL. He has been for years. He's been one of the most underrated route runners in the game. And if you don't love to see John Brown breaking out with the Bills, I don't love you, period. It was insane, his consistency before this, like in between 65 and 85 yards, like nine straight weeks or something. But yeah, I mean, I've been I've been buying I've been ranking him far too high back to his Arizona days. And I'm and I'm very happy to see him living up to it, man. Love, love him. Now, let's just hope he stays healthy. Well, Dalton, good. If you love it, then I love you. Um, And you love Devontae Parker, as you mentioned. And I think people kind of shied away from Devontae Parker coming into this game because it was a tough matchup against Tredavious White and the Bills secondary. But the volume holds up for him. Another 10-target game after he had 10 last week. Goes for 7-135. 
And this is after he scored a touchdown the week previous to that Indianapolis game against the Jets. So is Parker, like especially with Preston Williams out, out of there and not sucking up all the air yards, is Parker a guy that you want to start every week at this point? Oh, yeah, especially if he can do this against White in this matchup. I'm a full believer. As long as Fitzpatrick stays in there, let me put that yeah, caveat yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, back-to-back double-digit targets. The air yards are all there uh, for Parker. He's a really good player. I, I just really believe that. He might suffer an injury in practice this week. I, I can't, definitely can't say that won't happen. <laughs> but but I, I'm a believer, yes. I would re- legitimately will rank him as uh, in that 20 to 30 range the rest of the season, regardless of matchup. Balazs saved yourself with a touchdown. Oh, Man. Yeah, I mean, can we just for a second, Dalton, talk about how disgusting that Kalen Balaj situation is? Nine carries, nine yards, and a touchdown. I mean, let's also oh, let's not forget. Let's let's not discount the man. He did have five catches for eight whole yards. <laughs> yeah, he's very efficient. If nothing else, very. It was like historically bad game last week. He's like, no, no, hold my beer. Let me watch this week because it's just really just unreal. And Singletary didn't quite live up the hype on the other side. But how fun is Josh Allen though, man? What what a player! Just what just just so fun to watch, man. He he needed this type of performance too. Uh, I believe he leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns from the quarterback position. Three touchdowns through the air also today. This was sort of the game that we've been waiting on for Josh Allen, where he like goes and breaks a DFS slate. We've seen him have some pretty good games. Like he'll get 19 points in the first half and then not do anything going forward. So this was good to see. This was good to see uh, for Josh Allen. But overall, yeah, he's one of the most fun players in the NFL. And I was just all that matters though is that John Brown is the truth for sure. Yeah, no, congrats to John Brown. Big game, huge game. He's 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 the man all right let's wrap up with this super important matchup the jets at washington uh 34 17 the jets win over washington i i hate myself dalton because i actually decided early in the week that i was going to have sam darnold as my cheap dfs corner quarterback and then i chickened out and paid up a little bit more for kyle allen Gross. I mean, just horrible. Sam Darnold, 9.8 yards per attempt, four touchdowns today. Um, This was the tight look. It wasn't perfect, and it is against Washington, but this was the type of performance you needed to see as a Jets fan. It's like, okay, there's still a lot of hope here with Sam Darnold. Yes, finally the the Jets and Darnold getting off the Schneid. Really, what what do you what do you do thinking if you're a Washington fan right now with Haskins? I know McLaurin Quit. did make a nice yeah I know with ownership. <laughs> McLaurin made an awesome uh, long catch that was helped help called back on a on a holding penalty. But man, I traded for him in a keeper league, and I'm worried. Uh, the whole you know the narrative here with Haskins college teammates didn't come through here. So man, moving forward, the quarterback position remains a question mark for Washington. Yeah, it's definitely not good. Um, in these two backfields, I think is interesting, right? Like Le'Veon yeah, Bell. That was that was sick. Guys, play that was really nice. Wow, that was really nice. Yeah, it was great. Seven carries, twenty-four yards, um, long run of nine yards, and then he did make a big play in the passing game, which isn't necessarily what you think about with Darius Geis, but it just shows that he's got he's still got the juice, which is yeah. really good to see. I think it's most likely like if they're going to continue to play Darius Geis they're not just going to completely bench Adrian Peterson which just makes both of these guys probably pretty hard to trust in fantasy and not someone that you're really going to want to rely on um and on the Jets side of the ball too 18 carries 59 yards for Le'Veon Bell does score a touchdown but man it, it he doesn't look good like so much is working against him right you've got offensive line problems you've got a quarterback situation that's been very shaky. And then you have what I think is just the mounting injuries on this guy's body. It it doesn't look like it's going to be a great end of 
season finish for Le'Veon Bell, but he's getting so much work that he makes for a volume-based touchdown or bust low-end RB2. Uh, it was definitely pretty problematic seeing like Bilal Powell actually look like the more explosive rusher here. Yeah, first, maybe Geist does take over if Chris Thompson remains out. It looks like Washington's next couple matchups uh, at home against Detroit and the aforementioned horrible Carolina run defense, so maybe he should be added. Um, Le'Veon Bell, I thought, was either going to be, you know, get get hurt. You know, he only played 16 games in one season, you know, sitting out last year, uh, or be effective. I didn't really see him being playing all the games but not being effective. I guess that is because of injuries in a way, though. But, yeah, he just looked clearly, clearly compromised. And the volume's there, so you simply have to rank him, like, top 15 every week because he's projected for so many touches. But, yeah, it just does not look like the same player. And he made some moves earlier, too. I'm not ready to say, oh, he wasn't the same player because of the offseason. I just think he suffered yeah. too many nicks and bruises yeah. here, right? Because, I mean, at times this year he looked like, oh, that looked like the old Bell, right? You, would you agree with that? I, I would agree with that. I thought he looked pretty good to start the season. Looks like he's... Was looked like he was like a step slower to start the year, but was breaking a lot of tackles. Now we're just not seeing any of it because again, I think it's because yeah. of the injuries. Yeah, um, no, it's tough for sure. All right, well, that is going to do it for the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast this week. Dalton, thank you so much for joining me. A couple of lifelong 49ers fans just running victory laps all through the NFL. Uh, he is at Dalton Del Don. You can check him out on the Yahoo Fantasy Basketball Podcast now on Thursdays. Make sure to do that for all your fantasy hoops needs. I'm Matt Harmon at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. We are out. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.